This is Alex Hardy, one of the partners at Coda, and I'm on Promoter 101. Welcome back to Promoter 101. It's that time to sit back, relax, and let the good times roll. Right, Luke? Of course, Danny. We are here for the entertainment and enjoyment of our loyal listeners. Thanks for tuning in this week. With that in mind, we have brought you a very special interview with a very special GM. From the United Center, Jerry Goldman talks about running one of the premier venues in the world. And we're going to be joined later on the podcast with the war story, Montreux Jazz Festival of Switzerland's Michaela Mater. Cannot wait. Let's just get right into it, Luke. Let's do it. This is Brian Hill from CAA in Nashville. And against my mother's wishes, I'm in Dan Steinberg's hotel room doing the Promoter 101 podcast. Hey, Luke, I forgot again. Where can you listen to Promoter 101? Well, no problem, Connor. I've got that answer for you. It's on a bunch of places like Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts iHeartRadio. That's right, Luke. You can also find us on Spreaker, SoundCloud, Stitcher, YouTube, and Google Music. Thanks, guys. I'm going to catch up on Promoter 101 right now. You go do that, buddy. If you got something you'd like to share with us, wisdom, thoughts, apparently the concept of interviewing your boss, which we seem to get a lot of, you can email us at steiny at promoter101.net. We'd be happy to respond to you day or night. And if you'd rather hit us on social media, you're more than welcome to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I'm W. Luke Pierce on Twitter and Instagram. Dan's the Jew on Twitter. The show's at promoters101. That's promoters plural. Or we also... Thank you, Jason Burstein from AEG, now on the App Promoter 101 handle. You can find us on Instagram. The show is Steiny Promoter 101. Luke is W. Luke Pierce, and I am Dan Presents. That's right. And on Facebook, this show is At Promoter 101. Check it out. If, you know, Facebook's still online when this podcast comes out, as it's been an issue this week. On Tumblr, we're at Promoter 101 as well. And on the World Wide Web, that's the internet, Dan, we're at Promoter101.net. We also own .com, so like bully for us, motherfucker. That's right. World Wide Web, www.promoter101.com. Go check it out. I said Hartman. I work for AG Berlin as Senior Director Booking, and I'm on Promoter101. Hey, it's time to celebrate some days of birth for the week of March 19th to the 25th, 2019. 319. Jordan Pauly, John Richards, Frank Schultz, and Jeff Galton. Wednesday the 20th, wishing a happy birthday to Zed McBool. Thursday the 21st, Legal Eagle, Dave Ratner, David Buxner, and Larry Weintraub, a true legend in this industry. That he is. And on Friday the 22nd, wishing a happy birthday to Steve Kelly. Saturday the 23rd, Kimberly Goshoff and K. Marsh herself, Christine Marshall. On Sunday the 24th, wishing a happy birthday to ICM Partners, Liz Pantone. And the 25th, Mike Riley, Anton Lockwood, and Scott Galloway. Join the world and best seasonal wishes on this, your happy birthday from all of your friends at Promoter 101. Promoter 101. That's me doing a little Craig Newman right there. That's right. 
This is Eric Mayers from Red Light Management, and I am live on Promoter 101. Up next for our first interview this week, we have a very special war story from Montreux Jazz Festival of Switzerland. Joining now, Michaela Mater. Michaela, do you have a war story for us? Maybe something about when things go wrong? Yes, I mean, there are some nightmares. You have several issues, sometimes riders, equipment, or things that you don't have or you overlooked, like I did. And sometimes you have bad news because you get this phone call, by the way, you're not coming, we're not coming. And that happened a few times, of course, like probably for every promoter. For instance, there was a band at that time, BBM, that was Bruce Baker and Moore. Bruce Baker and Moore? Yeah, that was basically Cream with Gary Moore, the guitarist. There was Ginger Baker and Jack Bruce and oh, Gary Moore. Jesus, cool shit. Yes. They were sort of getting together and touring. And so, of course, we booked them. I was just wondering if, I mean, they're quite strong characters. I was, was wondering how, if that was going to last. But so we went for it, of course, with enthusiasm. And so the day arrived, they were, had started the tour. So uh, I looked out of the window, I saw the truck, the equipment truck arrive. And at the same time, the phone started ringing and it said, uh, well, we have a little problem. Um, they're not going to play. I said, but the truck just came in. They said, yes, so yeah, yeah. I said, well, did they split or something? No, 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 you will get a medical certificate. That's a new problem. And so basically they, uh, I don't know, they, I don't think they later on together but it just didn't happen and uh, I had to tell the truck driver like oh, it's not going to happen so what do you do in this occasion and we were extremely lucky at that moment that uh, Steve Lukather uh, he was with his own band on tour and he was on a day off and staying in Montreux and he wanted to play but we didn't have a space to spot to put him on and so we called him up it's, <laughs> it's your spot now do you want to do it so he just happened to be there yeah. Wow, how lucky. Yes. I mean, I always think that like two-thirds of what I do is luck, you know, because you're so dependent on outer circumstances. I mean, fog at the airport and the band cannot take off, uh, the equipment doesn't arrive. And even at that time also, you have, you know, technology is happening now, but at that time, I mean, the people could not communicate with you when they were on the road. They needed a phone booth or something. There was no portable, no cell phone or something. So when somebody like it happened too, like a... Equipment truck, truck driver had a heart attack while driving. Can't be helped. No, and the band didn't know either. You know, I mean, they have not the same travel schedules. So then you know only at the last moment that the equipment won't arrive. You know, you have to deal with it and uh, put it on stage or find it somewhere. Live entertainment, what will go oh, wrong? Yeah. Can. But things were, of course, more improvised at that time because you didn't have this communication. And sometimes it was just slow. You know, it was. Uh, well, where's the truck? Well, we don't know. And so the crew goes to the pool and they tell me, well, call us when the truck arrives. And that can be, you know, in, in three hours, never, <laughs> stuck at the border or, you know, also uh, of uh, one, one day, actually, that was not too long ago. It was um, for seal. Uh, the equipment should have arrived. And somehow, I won't mention the company, but the, the truck drivers, they've probably forgot that there's a border between Switzerland and the, the rest of Europe. <laughs> and so when they probably rolled the window down, there was clouds of smoke coming out of some material that they should not, not be taking tobacco. while driving. <laughs> so, of course, they got stuck and we had to provide all the equipment last minute. So, you know, these little things arrive. <laughs> Whatever makes the show go on. Three war stories in one. Thank you so much, Miguel. <laughs> Thanks, Michaela, for the awesome war story. Watch for the full interview coming up on P101. Barnaby Harrod, I'm head promoter, Mercury Wheels Live Nation, and I'm on Promoter 101. 
Hey, Dan, it's time to make the announcement for this week's Promoter 101 Badass of the Week. It sure is, Luke. And we're going to focus on United Concerts' Dave McKay for being, well, the best promoter Salt Lake City has ever fucking known. And that's saying something, because that's a tough market, and he handles it like a fucking boss, making him this week's Promoter 101 Badass of the Week. Congratulations, Dave. Very deserved. Hey, it's J. Bo Lewis from UTA, and you're on Promoter 101. In our feature interview this week, we've got United Center's Jerry Goldman talking about running one of the premier venues in the world. We are at Polestar Live, and I'm hanging out with Jerry Goldman. Dude, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. It's amazing thing about our industry. It lives in hotel rooms. It's just <laughs> conference centers, <laughs> hotel rooms, and conference bars. Yes. I appreciate you asking me to do this. I've been wanting to do this, you know, since you started this, what, like three years ago now? Dude, you should have said something. (laughs) You've got what I would think would be a really storybook career. You've gotten to go from venue to venue to venue. And as you've taken new jobs, you've moved up in the system with higher clout positions and higher clout venues. And You've really done an amazing job of working your way up into some really cherry venues. You know, you're at the United Center, but we've known each other for a while. I think maybe Tulsa, Tulsa was our first yeah. interaction. Yeah, you got Tulsa. to open the BOK Center with John Bolton. Yeah. So to go back even further than that, I'm from St. Louis. So I worked for Irv Zuckerman and Steve Shankman in contemporary productions that then got bought up by SFX and Clear Channel and all the whole roll up. Yes. So I worked for them for seven years as a promoter rep going out and settling shows and producing shows all over the Midwest, pretty much Kansas City, Omaha, you know, that type of area. was traveling a lot. Left there, went and worked for Robin Tate, if you know Robin. Yeah, Uh, legendary comic book. Yes, and we did comedy tours. I booked the venues, settled the venues, went on the road and did comedy tours. We did everybody from John Leguizamo's Sexaholic to Cedric the Entertainer to Whose Line Is It Anyways to, you know, tons and tons of, of comedy. Was on the road a little bit too much, met my wife, and was like, I don't want to be on the road that much anymore. I need to I actually want to be home because I like this person. Yes. <laughs> Not a bad thing. So got hired on by SMG and moved to Atlanta from St. Louis to Atlanta uh, with my wife, no kids yet, and opened up the Gwinnett Arena, uh, which is now Infinity Center or something like that. I can't Sponsor even... of the Week Arena. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And uh, was the booking manager and kind of... Cut my teeth there, then went to the AT&T Center and was director of booking and marketing for all non-sports stuff. Yep. Okay. So I was there for two of the three championships. Right before Jet Shabon was there, right? Yeah. He was after me. Grossman was there, then me, and then I think they had somebody else, but now Grossman's back there. <laughs> Typical. So you'll be going back to the BOK Center in a couple of weeks. <laughs> so then went to BOK Center. And you guys opened that amazingly. Yep. John Bolton and Jeff Nickler and myself. And that's where I met you doing shows over at the convention center and stuff like that. I was there for four and a half years and then went up to GM of the Nassau Coliseum in New York and was there for three and a half years, actually shut that building down. I thought that the Islanders were going to get a new arena, which they are now, but I thought that they were going to get a new arena. And, and six months into my, my tenure there, they announced that they were moving to Brooklyn. So, and SMG's contract wasn't really going to be renewed. And so I ended up shutting that building down and I was kind of looking for something to do. You know, SMG has been really good to me. And so, you know, I talked to some venues around the New York area, but then U.S. Bank Stadium came up and they're like, you want to move to Minneapolis? And I, I told my wife, it's funny. I said, I, I never want to move to Chicago because it's too cold. And here I am now moving to, Mini- move to Minneapolis. But this isn't just any stadium. I mean, it's state of the art, brand new stadium in a real football market. 
it really is a trophy for Minneapolis within itself. It is a gorgeous landmark that you guys put up there. And the Viking fans are rabid. So the honor to get tapped for that is is no small thing. Yeah. You know, once I went up there and I saw what they had, they had a built-in Super Bowl already. They had a built-in Final Four. And I'm like, we got to move to Minneapolis. And so I have three kids. So as the moves got more, they it's gotten harder and harder. Right. Because as your kids are in school and you're disrupting a lot. Yes. So, you know, in Minneapolis, I was the assistant GM, you know, concessions and box office and sales and marketing and all that stuff. So, I mean, we turned that into a very big business. I know that everybody sees the, you know, the football games, but, you know, we did Monster Truck. We did a ton of shows. You guys opened with Metallica. Was it Eric Church? Luke Bryan. Massive weekend, though. You guys turned the house on a stadium in 24 hours to do game shows. That's insane. Got Metallica to play. They hadn't played in the United States, really, in like any type of touring in the United States in seven years. Went out to the night before in San Francisco. I don't know if you remember that. That was the night before the Super Bowl met with all their folks out there and said, you know, look, we'd like to open the stadium. And this was with the help of AEG and Frank Productions. We put together this show and it was a very big challenge because Luke Bryan was, you know, the night before. And then to load out a stadium show, (laughs) essentially, and getting everybody to agree. It was a lot of meetings. It was a lot of phone calls, getting everybody on the same page saying, okay, we're going to use the same setup. But it was still a huge, you know, two different production managers, two different thinking, you know, the the country way and then the rock way. And they hadn't played a, a big venue. They were nervous about kind of selling tickets. You know, is this going to work in a stadium? And we put the show on sale, the Metallica show, and it sold out in less than 10 minutes. We put Volbeat on the show and Event Sevenfold. And ironically, after they did that show, they were going to go out and play arenas. They're like, wait a second, I think we have something here. And they actually took that same package out and then toured the country with that same stadium package. So I like to think that U.S. Bank Stadium had a little bit to do with the whole... The die wasn't set yet on how big that tour could be. Yeah, and people were craving, and they still are, for Metallica. And not to take anything away from Luke, because Luke was an amazing opener as well. Totally sold out, and people love Luke. To go from an arena to stadium had to be a massive jump, because the scale... You're like tripling in size of what you're putting through the room in a day. Yeah. Everything is just sized up. I mean, it's got to have new challenges. I mean, the premise is the same, but the scale of the scope from going from an arena to a stadium is just everything's just massive. I mean, you're when you're running a stadium event, no matter if it's Taylor Swift or or Luke Bryan or Metallica or Guns N' Roses, you have about 3,500 people working there when you add in. The concession people and, you know, the stagehands and the ushers and the ticket takers and security. You you are running for that four hours that you're running that event. You're literally running a small city and you got to feed people and you got to keep people safe and you got to get people to their seat and you got to get people out of there. And, you know, you got to make sure that everybody's going through magnetometers. And, you know, it's so you're running a small city for, you know, whatever it is, the four hours that people are in there. It's a Guns N' Roses show, the, the, the six hours that they're in there. And so that was a huge task. I mean, your security calls are 750 people versus maybe 40 in, in arenas. So that was a little eye-opening to me. And it was one of my biggest accomplishments going back to that was running 100,000 people through there, two different shows, two different promoters, and the shows went off without a hitch. And it was not, it was a huge team of people. Then you get the call. Chicago. So my wife is from Chicago. She said, we're done moving. And she's told me this like four times now. (laughs) And she said, the only places I'm going to move is Chicago or St. Louis. So I found out about this job. It's a new job. You know, I went and started the interview process and it it came to fruition. So this is the, you know, the United Center 
the history, you know, the Bulls, Blackhawks, they do amazing business, huge city, great city. And I couldn't pass up the opportunity. So it's a new creative position, VP of booking and event operations. This is it. We promised our kids they would graduate high school from here. So this is the final stop in the Goldman World Tour. <laughs> How long do you have your kids have before they graduate? So I have, a, I have a second grader, I have a sixth grader, and a seventh grader. So really, the United Center, if they, when they listen to the podcast, will have some serious negotiating power in your next contract. Because I'm guessing <laughs> they didn't quite a 20-year deal with you. <laughs> I'm not looking to go anywhere. I know I've only been there about four or five months. This it's, is it. This is it. It's a great organization. There are people that have been there since the Chicago Stadium days. They're at some point going to move on. And we like to think of ourselves, there's uh, Joe Myra and myself, we're the, he's an SVP and we're the new, the new wave after people start retiring. Not that we're pushing anybody out the door, but this is, you know, world-class arena. So I'm telling you now, this is my last stop. You were at the Chicago Bulls arena. I don't think anybody would question that that's pretty fucking cool. Yeah. I mean, the history with the Blackhawks and all the cups that they've won and the Jordan era, all the trophies that they've won. Plus, how much more hanging out with Jason Wright do you get now that you're in Chicago? <laughs> I mean, I know he does both markets, but like probably get to see him quite a bit more now. Well, let's not forget Jerry Barrett, too. Who could forget Jerry Barrett? The, the personality <laughs> and the brains of that man is insane. Uh, Love Jerry. So Jerry is... Huge hockey fan. Huge hockey fan. He's a Blackhawks season ticket holder, and he just likes to come to shows. So he is... He's out of a lot of the shows Live Nation does uh, probably 80%, 85% of our content in the arena. You know, Jerry's there a lot, Mark Campana, Tommy Ganoza. You're really in the thick of things, you know, with that Live Nation office being right there. Yeah, there's a lot of talent in that office and some very cool people. And Jason, you know, Jason is obviously one of the best in the business. One of the nicest guys for being in the power position that he's in. So you've done the venue thing, you've done the promoting thing at both very high levels. Would you ever go back to being a promoter? Not right now. No, I, I think that I like the building side of things. I like being So your in preference is the building side over the promoter side? Yes. As it stands right now, I mean, I love the grind of going out and trying to get shows and the hoopla of, of just chasing different events. And Do you have to chase shows at the United Center? Don't they just come to you at this point? I'm not going to lie. Yes, they, they definitely do. I know you know how to do that because Tulsa got shows that, in theory, Tulsa shouldn't have gotten. You guys yeah. did an amazing job programming at that, that venue. One of the first shows we ever booked, we went to, I'll never forget, we went to AEG and we sat down in Doug Klaus's office and convinced him, literally convinced him to do Celine Dion. And we put Celine Dion on sale with almost no manifest. We were guessing, you know, we were going off of architectural drawings. I guess drawings. this is where my aisle will be. <laughs> I <laughs> hope the so production will fit here to here. overkilled the house, I mean, by a lot and hope for the best. And, you know, as in any new building, it doesn't always add up. And so, you know, there's an extra seat here or there's two seats that are missing here. And so uh, to try to put that together once the seats are actually in was amazing. And it was a lot of hard work. But, you know, I, I credit AG and Doug Klaus because they were the first ones that really went out and said, Tulsa, Oklahoma, we, we're going to put Celine Dion in there. We're going to take a shot at this, which then opened up doors for, you know, we actually ended up opening up with the Eagles. And then it sold out immediately and we ended added a second show. So Bob Rue, I, I credit Bob Rue for also seeing the potential that this market had. And then to your point, then they still get shows that they shouldn't get in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I mean, but they've had everybody from Madonna to U2 to like I mean, yeah, everybody. U2 started the tour there last time, right? It's yeah. like genius. I mean, it's... Because when U2 tours and if they're doing arenas, you know you're getting that phone call at the United Center. Like, that's yes. a pretty safe bet. There's only so many stadium shows that can play that beautiful U.S. Bank Stadium, but you know in Chicago, you're going to see some volume of tours calling. Your biggest issue has got to be, is there hockey? Is there basketball? Can I accommodate? 
what should be two, three, four nights of U2 in a city like Chicago. Yeah. So that's one of my biggest challenges is just working the calendar and yeah, trying to like go back to the leagues and to, see what you can move to accommodate. Yeah. And we're kind of in this as every NHL or two team building is in right now. We're trying to, you know, the schedule doesn't come out until like August. But everybody's trying to book their fall tours right now and their spring tours. And and right now we're trying to navigate through the NBA and the NHL and trying to grab dates back from them. And so challenging a date is difficult. And sometimes we're successful at it and sometimes we're not. The leagues work with you guys to try and maximize your revenue in the room. Are they pretty cool about that when they can help? Yeah. Terry Severis, who is uh, the COO, has been there for I think he's worked for Jerry Reinsdorf for 38 years. And he has the relationship with not only the leagues, but the teams. So he is a, a trooper when it comes to trying to, to navigate that. And at some point that will fall on me. But since I've only been there like four months, he's helped me navigate that and really taking the ball and, and trying to work with the leagues. And, and for the most part, they are very, very accommodating to a point. But at some point, they got to play games, too. So now if a team wins a championship, everyone on the team gets a ring as part of the arena. Do you get a ring? I don't know. I haven't asked that question yet. It's I would... not completely out of the question that the uh, Bulls would get to play in an NBA championship, especially if you're planning on being there long enough for your kids to graduate high school. Yeah, let's hope. Because I know Lee here at Staples has a bunch of rings. <laughs> I would hope that the teams would be that gracious, but that's down the road and not my priority. So I would be I, pretty fucking cool. It, right? And, oh, my gosh. Yeah. You wouldn't say no. I would definitely not turn it away. I can tell you that I did not get rings when I was working for the Spurs, not to take anything away from that organization, but because uh, I was SMG and they were Spurs Sports and Entertainment. So Got I did it. not get rings. Right. Because they're not the same company. But in Chicago, the team owns the arena. Right? Correct. Okay. Yeah. So, so we work. It is part of the family. Yes. I work for the Reinsdorf and Wirtz family. It's a joint venture. It actually it works amazingly. They both coexist. And what they've done to that arena in the last, I mean, it's 25 years over, celebrating our 25th anniversary this fall. What the, the money that they put into that arena and everybody comes through and is like, this place is impeccable. They've put money back into their asset, which is. Yeah, it kind of is a things. Caesar's Palace of arenas where arena sunset. But in the particular case of this arena, it's kind of the gold standard and it keeps up. Unlike other properties where they just kind of they build them, they're new, and then they kind of diminish over years. But Chicago has done a good job with the United Center, kind of like Madison Square Garden. Yeah. I mean, you have to keep putting in new technology. We're announcing a new scoreboard coming this summer. We're going to put a new scoreboard in. State of the art, biggest one in, in an arena. So they say. I've only seen renderings of it. So that must be cheap. Yeah. I, I don't know the price tag on it, but that's one thing that the owners are very committed to is making sure that the fans have the best experience staying up with the state of the art and setting the bar for arenas, same as all the arenas try to do, but you know, the Madison Square Gardens and the, when you're in that level of arenas, making sure that you have the best technology, best sound system, the best amenities, constantly revamping the concession stands and bringing in new partners and local food vendors and just trying to create the fan experience. Well, that's great for the average schmo, right? They go to the concession stand, but you guys must have a high-end experiential for the people buying the suites at really max out because Chicago's got some very wealthy sports fans. <laughs> yeah, Levy Levy does an amazing job for, with our food service. We just opened up a pretty high-end restaurant called Queenie's, and we just built a, an atrium that just opened up a, a year ago, which essentially what they did was they took where the Jordan statue is, which was outside. They built an atrium over and built a new office building 
connecting the arena. And it's now an event space. It's a place people can go get warm and you can go to the fan shop or you can go to Dark Matter Coffee or, you know, you, you can actually, it's a destination area now that you can come down there and take pictures with the, the Jordan statue. And we have a lot of plans for activations in that space. So as well. the people of Chicago still remember Michael Jordan. It is amazing how many people come and take pictures with that statue on a daily basis. Love it, man. Do you have any advice for guys coming up in the industry that want to work in the venue side? So... I love the industry. I don't know what else to do. We're kind of like, I don't know what else I would be doing if I wasn't doing this. But one of the things, and not everybody can afford to do this or, or has the luxury of doing this, but the way I moved up was to move around. I'm not advocating for that, but there's only so many arenas and there's only so many jobs. It's a small industry. It's a big industry, but it's a small industry. And you kind of got to go where the jobs are. And there's so few of them and there's so many people that want to do it. And to really build your career, I would... Give the advice, uh, and if you can take it, to go where the job is and to just set your goals and just keep going. And you can accomplish anything. I mean, I'm not trying to be cheesy right now, but if you just put your goals to it and work hard and keep your head down. And I feel that honesty is the best is the best thing. That's kind of how I built my career. You just got to be honest with people. You got to have hard conversations. And even though you tell a promoter that, no, I can't give you that deal or I can't give you that date, it's sometimes you get screamed at, but honesty is the best advice I can give. Where's the advice from a guy with a real career and a real businessman? Thank you so much, Jerry. Steiny, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Jerry is simply not your average venue GM. He is simply next level. As we've seen him go from Tulsa to the East Coast to open up the U.S. Bank Center in Mini and now running one of the best venues in the world, the United Center. Clearly, see, he is just a guy on the rise. Hi, my name is Jay Williams from WME, and you're listening to Promoter 101. The quote of the week comes to us from A.A. Millen. People say nothing is impossible, but I do nothing every day. Kind of messes with your head, doesn't it, Lou? No, I got nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Jim Glancy, Barry presents on Promoter 101. This is the end, Dan. This is it. We're done. Episode 134 of Promoter 101 in the bag. I have to thank our wonderful guests, including United Center's Jerry Goldman and Montreux Jazz Festival of Switzerland, Michaela Maters. Thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. And hey, while we've come to the end of the road for this episode, we'd like to hear from you. Let us know what you think of this podcast. Hit us with an email at steiny at promoter101.net. We'll be back Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, midnight Greenwich Mean Time. That's a whole lot of time. It's a whole lot of time, Dan. Really appreciate you appealing to our international listeners. Thanks to everybody who came to see Dan a couple weeks ago at ILMC. Thanks for tuning in so late in your evening. We really, really do appreciate it. And if you're tuning in next Thursday and you're waiting with that alarm clock, turning it on at midnight, Greenwich Mean Time. Next Thursday's show will feature Mercury Wheels at Live Nation's Barnaby Herod. Until then, we're wishing you sold-out shows for the week to come. Cheers! Call your mother! Hello, my name's Jane Bees. I'm the head of music at the Roundhouse, and I'm here on Promoter 101.